It's entitled, Place Your Life Before God. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. There, that's the message translation of Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I'm thinking about um, transformation tonight, okay? And um, I've got a question for you. What would you love to see changed in your life? If you could pick one thing, what would it be uh, tonight? If something could change for you personally, not someone else, um, for you personally, what would it be? Now, I don't know about you, I've tried lots of goes at trying to change myself, and most of them haven't gone so well. So uh, I tried many years ago to do this. Uh, I tried to get really, really fit. I started eating kiwi fruits. My diet approach was just kiwi fruit, nothing else. I lasted two days. That was it. And then I decided I'm going to start swimming. So I started swimming. I can't swim. I went to a pool, and I started swimming. And I'm not joking you. One of the life, I'm so bad. One of the lifeguards jumped in and tried to rescue me. And he had me around the head. You know, like that, like you practice at school. He dragged me to the side of the pool. I said, what are you doing? He said, are you, are you all right? I thought you were drowning. Uh, I said, no, I was swimming. He said, oh, that was swimming, was it? And then I discovered later, I got to know this guy, I discovered later they had a staff memo. It said, uh, don't, don't try and rescue the octopus. It's like, thanks for nothing. And then um, it goes on and on. You know, I'm terrible at DIY. I can't do DIY. I tried to change that. So I, I, I bought a DIY book. You know, one of those big, thick books that will promise you to, it will solve everything, teach you how to do everything. I made a wardrobe with a friend of mine called Matt, and uh, we were nearly finished. It took hours, this thing. And then, you know, I put the final nail and screw in. I said, Matt, we've done it. We've made a flipping wardrobe. That's fantastic. He said, uh, there's a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, you've screwed me to the thing. And um, I, he, he literally couldn't. I'd got his hand in a bit of wood, and he couldn't let go. And so we had to dismantle the whole thing. So it's just an absolute nightmare. So talking about that because we're caught up in discipleship. Discipleship is about transformation. And you'll see some slides coming up hopefully at some point. But basically, uh, we saw last week that the Hebrew word for your disciple is Talmudin. And it basically means apprentice. And we're called to apprentice. And when we follow Jesus, basically he wants to do three things with us. He wants uh, to do these three things. He wants to teach us how to be with him, to become like him, and to do what he did. And so it's a transformation, lies at the heart of uh, discipleship. So um, I want to ask, therefore, how do you, how do I actually change? How can we uh, experience this change that he's wanting to bring uh, within us? Now, I think, I don't know what you'd say, how you change, how you become a disciple. I don't know what would be on your list. 
I think, I was thinking about this. Over the years, I've, I've picked up a few things around discipleship that people say, and one thing would be this on this next slide. All you need to do if you want to become a follower of Jesus is have a lot of Bible knowledge. You kind of grab a Bible, you learn all about the Bible, and um, suddenly you'll be transformed into a disciple. Now, um, please hear me. The Word of God is very, very powerful. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. And uh, there's uh, Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah 55. So this is my word that goes out from my mouth that will not return empty, but will accomplish what I achieve. But I have to say... uh, Just knowing the Bible really well doesn't suddenly transform you into a disciple. I wish it did. I've read this many, many times. I'm still not an uber disciple. Has anyone read this and completely transformed into a disciple? Okay, good. It's not just me. Uh, I'm less paranoid now. Other people say, you know, if you want to become a disciple of Jesus, you just get zapped by the Holy Spirit. That's all you need, a big zapping. Again, please hear me. Um, We mustn't take these things lightly. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit transforms life. I've been zapped a few times in a major way by the Holy Spirit. One time I couldn't speak. Another time I couldn't walk. uh, And I've had some major zappings by the Spirit. And I'd have to say they've changed me a lot. But I also have to say uh, I'm still not the uber disciple. Do you know what I mean? It hasn't just boom. Uh, encounters with the Spirit, I guess, what I'm trying to say alone, don't turn you into a disciple. Are you with me so far? Are you following this? Are you enjoying it so far or not? Okay, I'll keep going. Now, the other thing is, uh, some people say, the other thing, oh, actually, no, no, it's neither of those things. If you want to be a disciple, what you actually need to do is you need to be in a small group and meet every week, and that will do it for you. That's what discipleship is. And, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I've done it myself. I remember the first time. I, I came to faith, and someone said, you need to be in a small group. I said, what's that? They said, it's a small, small group. It's a small group of people. I said, yeah, all right. And so I went, I went to this little flat in Battersea. I walked in, and there was a couple of women. They probably were in their 80s. There was, um, like, a sort of graphic designer. And then there was a dog. And that was our small group. And I, I loved it, especially the dog, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I, I did get transformation, but it hasn't radically changed me um, and zapped me into being a disciple. And then the, f- the final thing people say is, look, if you want to be a disciple, come every week on a Sunday to Sunday services, amazing services, and suddenly you'll morph into a disciple. And uh, has that happened... Okay, it's a bit worrying, isn't it? So um, how do we change then? How do you and I change? Now, what I want to do is I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to come back to those things, so don't panic. Don't be texting your small group leader saying, see you later, or burning your Bible. I'm going to come back to these things, okay? Bear with me. Now, the first thing you and I have got to recognize as we think about changing is that basically uh, every day, we are being spiritually formed, whether we realize it or not. Every single day, we are being spiritually formed. We kind of think spiritual formation is a Christian thing. It's, it's actually a human thing. And uh, it happens all the time. And uh, I want to suggest tonight, spiritual formation uh, can be unintentional, and it can be intentional. 
There's lots of unintentional spiritual formation that happens in our lives. We don't even realize it. We, we, we're not even aware of it. But every single day, we are being formed and shaped. And I want to identify four things uh, around this unintentional spiritual formation. You and I are being shaped every day uh, by four things at least. And this list isn't exhausted, but we, we don't have too much time. So the first thing is this. We're, we're, we're actually being formed by the stories we hear the cultural stories we hear. And uh, there are many, many different uh, cultural stories. There are big stories, meta-narratives, that's consumerism, materialism, atheism, uh, liberal secularism, whatever it might be, ism, communism, let's think of any other isms. But, you know, there's lots of these stories that shape us. And uh, we encounter them every day uh, in the papers, when we go to college, when we go to school. there's, There's these stories that are out there which don't align with the Christian story, but actually uh, shape us. And we get them every single day. And we look at pictures uh, in, the, in the paper, in the magazines we read on the phone, on Instagram. These things sort of shape us, these stories. And uh, we need to be aware of those things. Um, you know, one of the stories is a money story. How do you find life and life to the full? Basically, earn as much money as you can, uh, buy lots of possessions, uh, you know, get a big house, do up your kitchen a couple of times, um, and then die. So life lived well. But that's not the Christian story, is it? So every single day, uh, we hit these stories that, that we just sap, we imbibe, we uh, uh, drink in that uh, we might not even realize we're doing. So that's the first thing, stories. Secondly, we're formed by our habits. These are those actions that we do on a regular basis. And uh, we, ha- we all are very habitual. We do things uh, often in a very routine way. Even if we think we're not very routined, our non-routine is quite routine. And we have regular actions and things that we do every day. And these everyday rituals and rhythms actually shape us. They, they, they actually shape us quite deeply. And uh, often we're not even aware of them. So I was cleaning my teeth the other day, and uh, my children always take the mick out of me but I'm like this. Whenever I clean my teeth, I'm like that. I do it on one leg. Now, I don't know why I do that, but I always clean my teeth on one leg. And here's the other thing. I walked into the bathroom the other day. One of my children was doing it on one leg as well. I thought, great, this is great. There's influence. Uh, when I speak, I do this a lot, apparently. <laughs> I don't even know I do that. <laughs> You know, I don't know what that is, but I do it. My children love it. They do great impressions of me. But you see, it's not just me. It's also all of us. We've got these habits that we do. What do you do? What's the first thing you do when you wake up? What's the first thing? Uh, what do you do? What do you, is it coffee? Is it tea? Is it, what is it? You know, do you check your phone? Do you go on Instagram? What do you do? Uh, through your day, what do you have for lunch? What don't you have for lunch? What's the last thing you do at night? You have a shape to your life. And uh, you do these, these habits which form us and shape us. And often, most of the time, we're, we're actually um, uh, um, unaware that we even uh, have these things. So um, the third thing is that uh, unintentionally or unconsciously shape us would be our relationships. And, um, you know, who you hang out with is very, very important in life. And uh, it's really, really important uh, because it's very, very influential who you spend your time with. 
And um, actually, uh, relationships fashion and shape us. Our family of origin, will, the relationships within that will basically shape us and, and influence us in amazing ways. I did this course. Um, uh, the bishop sent me on this course. I said, what is it, bishop? He said, it's called Leading with Emotional Maturity. <laughs> so he sent me on this course, Leading with Emotional Maturity. It was basically, you know, as far as I could tell, going back through 150 years of your family history and um, just seeing the dynamics in your families and how that affects you today. But who you spend time with really affects you. Uh, who your friends are, the, the Bible teaches this, doesn't it? And uh, basically, the quality of your relationships, the sort of people you hang out with, really affects you. And um, it's worth just thinking about that. Uh, who are you doing life with is a really, really important question um, because it's very, very influential. And um, what I'm not saying, by the way, don't, please don't hear Mike saying we've got to just hang out with Christians all the time. I'm not saying that. It's not what Jesus models. But who you spend time with radically shapes your life. That's the third thing. Are you with me? Uh, we're also being formed by our environment, believe it or not, just where you are. Your school, your university uh, really shapes you, just the, the culture of it, the way, the way things happen there. Uh, Guildford uh, really exerts a lot of influence on you. Uh, Surrey, uh, uh, that this place, it has a massive influence on who you are and how you operate. And different places, uh, these environments, have different um, influences on you. So I've lived, I'm sure you've lived in different places too, it's not just me. Uh, I've lived in Essex, I've lived in London, I've lived in New Zealand, I've lived in Guildford. And I have to say, these environments have different shape, shapings and influences on, on what you're like and what's, what's important, and what's expected, and how you do things. And uh, it's just being uh, really aware uh, of that, that actually you're being shaped by that. You're being shaped by Guildford more than you actually realize. And the other thing is, you might think, well, where's the best place to live? Um, where's the best shaping place to live? There's nowhere, there's nowhere better than somewhere else, because all places have advantages and disadvantages. But, but it's also worth being aware that actually our environment these days is, is a digital environment as well. You know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all these things are, are shaping you way beyond you, you, you ever realize. That they're actually programmed, algor the algorithms within them are programmed to get you to do certain things, to encourage you to get addicted to certain things, to look at certain pages. Uh, we know, don't we, with the fake news and all the stuff in the news the last few months, you know, there's an there's a, there's a, there's a influential shaping to what's on social media. And, uh, you know, there's an agenda uh, and all the rest of it. I haven't got time to go into the stories of those. But also, this digital uh, culture is a global culture. And so, um, you know, I was in Tanzania in the middle of nowhere, and there's a guy there in New Balance trainers and a Manchester United top. You know, there's a sense, isn't there, that we're, we're shaped by uh, this global culture of which we are part, our environment, uh, if you like. So are you with me so far? Unintentionally, it's like if you were clay, I was going to get some clay and try and mold things uh, during this talk, but I thought I'd better not because I just can't do that. Um, and uh, anyway, you're being shaped by the stories you hear. You're being shaped by uh, your habits. You're being shaped by your relationships. You're being shaped by your environment here geographically, digitally, 
and in this global Western um, mindset. Forget, I mean, forget uh, thinking about Christian stuff first. This is where we start in the sense of there's a massive influence that comes to bear on all these things. So I want to ask you a few questions. Can I give you some homework? Uh, If you're revising, you don't have to do it. Can I encourage you this week just to monitor your habits? Don't try and change them. Don't try and judge them. Just become aware of what you do in a, in a, in a, in a uh, deliberate, intentional way. When you wake up, what do you do? Uh, what do you look at? Uh, what do you prioritize? What don't you prioritize? What choices do you make regularly? What sort of stuff are you doing? It will help you think about um, your habits. And, um, you know, I'll leave it there. So there's some homework. So that's the unintentional stuff, and that's powerful. All that stuff is phenomenally powerful. We're we're often told we're autonomous, we make our own choices. This is exerting huge pressure on you, on what you're wearing, on what you're thinking, on what you're prioritizing, on what your expectations are for your life, on what your uh, expectations are about who you should be, who you shouldn't be. It can really depress you, some of the messages you get from this thing. You might be too fat, too thin, not good looking enough. Bah, 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 bah. You know, it, it goes on and on. This is powerful. So that's the unintentional bit. And I want now to turn to the uh, intentional uh, part of spiritual formation. And uh, it's a basic thing. But if we want to experience the lifestyle of Jesus, this life and life to the full, we need to adopt the lifestyle uh, of him. Sorry, if we want to experience his lifestyle, we need to adopt his, his sort of way of doing life. And uh, what I've got is four things to counter this unintentional spiritual formation. Four things in response to what we've just looked at. Now, the first thing is, uh, actually, um, the first thing we need is great teaching to counter the wrong stories, the wrong messages uh, we get fed. If if you're going to be a disciple, you need to get great uh, teaching. Uh, Now, obviously, um, just knowing a lot about the Bible uh, doesn't necessarily turn you into a disciple. But what you need to receive is very, very good teaching that helps you to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. Uh, If you're to um, grow as an apprentice of him. And our mind is very, very important in spiritual formation. So Romans 12, 1 uh, and 2, this is the NIV version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We... we need for our mind to be renewed. And so you you need to have uh, good teaching that basically critiques some of the stories out there, that basically uh, gives you the real kingdom Christian vision of God and what it is to be human and what it is to honor other people and what it is to find life and life to the full if you are going to uh, be able to follow Christ in uh, ways that bring you life. And, uh, you know, uh, teaching is really, really important. And uh, we've got great teaching here at St. Saviour's, but I'd also have to say, in the internet age, I sound old, don't they? In the internet age, um, you know, there's so much good teaching around. You can 
Google in any subject. Uh, you can get the world expert on that subject, a video, a talk, uh, whatever it is. You can have it on your phone when you're jogging or when you're on the bus or when you're off to campus. And uh, you can listen to this great sort of stuff. So that's the first thing, teaching. Are you with that so far? Okay, the second thing you need uh, actually is um, practice. You actually need to be able to practice certain disciplines to counter habits of yours which aren't helping you uh, follow the life of Christ and find the life, the freedom, the grace he wants you uh, to find. The thing is, you need um, practice because you can't actually just think your way into Christ-likeness. You actually have to um, um, practice imbibing that teaching and imbibing what God is doing. And so we, the, 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 this is, as I said, an introductory talk. We're going to look at lots of spiritual disciplines from here on in. We're looking at um, basically next week how you can walk with the Holy Spirit, the week after how Scripture can shape your life. We're looking at how you can rest in a culture that's very driven, that's Sabbath. We're looking at how uh, we can pray well. We're looking at storytelling and on and on and on. We'll be looking at other things too, but I'm hoping it'd be helpful. But it's interesting. We often think, uh, as I said last week, that actually... um, in the Christian life, we don't really have to practice. It will just happen. It's odd, isn't it? If I want to play the piano, I've never once thought, uh, I can just play this. I'll just be able to play really well. I'm just going to be able to play really well. Or I've never picked up a golf club and thought, I've never, I've never hit a golf, I a golf ball before, but here we go. I might ask the pro to come and play from, with me. I'm going to try and beat the pro. It just doesn't happen, does it? And uh, we're called to practice, as we looked at last week in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 19. Therefore, if anyone who sets aside uh, these commands and teaches others accordingly uh, will be called the least in the kingdom, who doesn't, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 7, you know, when you put the words of God into practice, you're like a wise man who builds a house uh, on the rock. So it's interesting. We have to practice Uh, and learn how to follow Jesus well. And uh, this is encouraging because actually uh, it means we're probably, you know, uh, uh, I remember uh, the first time I gave a talk, it didn't go well. I remember the first time I prayed for someone else, I felt very nervous. I remember the first time uh, I, I, whatever it is, fill in the blank. We've got to practice, practice, practice. Um, And this is to help overcome our habits. Uh, A proportion of all of our habits, you see, are destructive habits. They take us away from God. They take us away from his life into uh, other things. Uh, And uh, we need to have these disciplines, really, to help us. Okay, are 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 you glazing over or not? Third thing we need is community. And we need community to counter some of the superficial or, dare I say, harmful relationships that don't shape our lives for good. And so, yes, um, small groups are great, but actually they need to be a certain type of group, I want to suggest. Now, uh, you know, uh, you've got to think about what you're doing in your small group. Now, you might be smoking cigars and playing poker. That might be quite fun but it's actually not necessarily going to help you uh, 
develop Christ-likeness. And so here's some features of a good community that will help you grow and develop. Okay, are you ready? I've got four of them. There are probably more. Here's the first. You need a place where you feel loved. You can grow in intimacy with other people and are really encouraged by other people. You need to um, know and be known. And I don't mean that. I, I, spoke, I spoke to someone recently. He said, I've just left my small group. It wasn't at this church. And uh, he said, um, he, he said, uh, he said, yeah, I've been there seven years. I said, why did you leave? He said, because um, all they know is my name's Peter and I'm a vet. Been there seven years. So actually, you need to be known and know. And uh, you need to let your guards down. You need safe spaces where really people know who you are and what's going on. That's a good characteristic of a small group. So that's the first thing. Secondly, you need a place where you're released and empowered where actually you're championed into who you are, your passions, your gifts, and people pray for you, and you talk about that, and people pray for you as you go and exercise those gifts and encourage you. That's the second thing. You also need a place of vulnerability, uh, basically where uh, actually, um, you know, you can experience a bit of accountability. And, uh, you know, you feel safe enough to say, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Could you help me with that? Or, you know what? I feel God really wants me to set up this business. Will you hold me accountable to that and champion me, pray for me, uh, and encourage me? Often we think accountability is about don't look at that, don't do 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 that. You did that, don't do that, don't do that. Actually, a lot of accountability is also uh, about stewarding your life well uh, with other people. And that takes, obviously, a degree of honesty. And then also you need a place where uh, actually you can do mission together in your community. Uh, go and do the things of Christ, uh, whatever it is. Lots of people here are amazing. They talk about Jesus. They do bees and projects. They're out on the streets. They set up whatever it is, evenings for charities, whatever it is. And you, you, you need to have that element because too often, I think, uh, our discipleship becomes inward-looking or um, uh, inward-focused. And actually, that's not what Jesus models or calls us to. And then the fourth thing, and I'm going to stop here, the fourth thing. You're all looking really uh, exhausted and like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so here's the fourth thing. What time is it? We're going to worship and pray in a minute. Here we go. The fourth thing you need is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is to counter your environment, the, the, the negative impacts of your environment. Wherever you are, he is, whether that's Guildford, Essex, New Zealand, on campus, at school, um, at work. God is with you. This is the wonder. And so you need to be someone who learns how to uh, walk with the Spirit and um, Basically, the Spirit is the one who brings transformation into your life. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, I'll read this. Now, when, everyone, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And, after, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is transforming you and uh, the disciplines are key, not because they're disciplines and I'm a Christian and I've got to do all this stuff, but they facilitate the work of God in your life, the empowering presence of God in your life, and they're exciting. You know, I, I, I had an amazing time the other night just reading my Bible, um, 
And the Lord just really encountered me. I have had another amazing, I'm doing this monastic thing. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pray four times a day, morning, midday, evening, and night. And uh, God is really meeting me in it. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a hassle. It's actually, I, I can't wait to do the next thing. So to conclude on this sort of introductory thing, what we need is just to remember we're being shaped and formed all the time. And if we're Christians, we want to go Christ's way, then we need to have this teaching and think about the stories we're hearing. We need to uh, develop these practices that will bring life to our lives uh, and watch some of the habits in our lives that aren't very helpful. We need to think about community and being community. I, I, I speak to too many people in the church who feel lonely or like they're not connected. And uh, we're really pressing into this in the next sort of uh, year, 18 months, trying to get people connected in community and, and feeling a sense of connection and being cared for. And then, of course, you need the Holy Spirit too, who is God himself, uh, who actually is active, is seeking to bring a work of transformation and radically change you. Is that all right? So there's another sermon. Um, let's clear the chairs. What I love is stacks of five chairs just along the back and also maybe along the front here. And then we're going to worship. We're going to pray for each other. So um, let's try and do this fast. <laughs>